Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? Are you surviving in the storm there? Yeah, we're we're. I haven't gotten wet yet, but yeah, I'm here in Hawaii, and we're having a a, a big rainstorm. Uh, got a couple of flood alerts on the phone, but so far it hasn't been too traumatic. I'm surviving. So stay safe. I can actually hear the rain coming down in the background. So that's just how how loud it is that I can actually hear it. So, yeah, yeah. Totally. Please stay safe. Yes. So I have a, a, a freestyle question that I would like to ask you. And so here it is. So if you only had one freestyler that you could watch, you don't get to pick two or three, only one. It can be from back in the day or present. Who would it be? Interesting question. So I, I can only watch one freestyler. Huh. I, you know, I'm going to go with Joey. When I watch the videos, uh, the, Joey has these moments that just blow my mind. Well, that's a pretty good choice. I think a lot of people would be on that bandwagon. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Randy? I'm going to go with Donnie Rhodes. Donnie Rhodes has always been my favorite player to watch. And just his ability to create difficult, beautiful moves has always blown my mind. And, uh, you know, Joey and Donnie, it's like trying to pick what piece of art is is more enjoyable. It's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. There will never be a definitive answer on who's better. (laughs) (laughs) Van Gogh, Monet. Exactly. Who do we have in this episode, Randy? So today's episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Stork, and it's really fascinating. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing this with all of you. We start out the conversation with uh, me asking about WAMO and NAS and and why did WAMO stop their support. So enjoy. Why did WAMO end the NAS series right when it seemed like it was at its height? Like this was going places. You had figured it out how to present this to the masses. So why did they stop that support? PT Barney, always leave them wanting more. <laughs> no, no, it was, actually, that was very, very complex and, and tied into mostly the business intricacies of, of WAMO. That is the, the, the cycles of funding that were available. I mean, when I came in, to WAMO, they were just on the front edge of uh, the gold mine of uh, the world-class series going into sporting goods. Prior to me coming, all of the money had been made in toy, and it was a distribution system that was toy-based. All of their distributors were toy people, and all the sales were toy. the number one seller in units and gross was the regular and was for all those years. That was, that was where the money was. And then Ed primarily somewhat inspired, I guess, by what was going on with the, with Octad and the, the realization that there was going to be a diversity of sports out there started to develop the, uh, the G series and, uh, started to make some penetration, which was very touchy, of course, with their established market, to say, we're going to sell in sporting goods too. 
and we're going to sell these uh, higher higher priced models. And needless to say, that was a mixed message to the toy people of, now wait, 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 wait. We've been with you for all these years and we're not getting the high margin items. You're going to give them to sporting goods who you've never worked with at all. After all these years of me selling this 89 cent item, you're now going to sell a $6 item and I'm not in on that. You know, that was that was a hard conversation, but they sold it and it was two separate sets of, of salespeople. And eventually the truth came back to toy that their business got helped by the fact that this wave of popularity of this sports in general and the sporting goods, the rising tide lifted all the boats. And so they, they were satisfied. Business is improving. Okay, great. We wish we would have had that, but we didn't. And so it's good. But that tide, that's the tide on which I had the funding for everything you remember uh, for the NAS meets, for the, the high profile WFCs, for the, the regional director programs, for the vans for those people, uh, for my ever increasing staff, for uh, Frisbee World Magazine, for all of those things that built out after Ed left and said, and, and when he left, incidentally, kind of in a disagreement with Whammo, and he said, uh, I said, well, do you want me to go? You know, I haven't been here that long. I don't want to undercut you. I'll, I'll leave with you. I can go back to grad school. I got things to do there anyway. I said, nah, nah, you're here. You might as well stay. So he probably, <laughs> probably regretted that sometimes <laughs> after that when we disagreed. But um, then, man, I had money and I was the man. And so I'm pitching whammo on all of these potentials and they're sitting down with me and hearing about all these other games that that Ed wouldn't wasn't necessarily his thing and I'm bringing in all these other activities and I mean those were pretty important sessions I remember one of the those early pitch sessions when I'm telling um, talking to Spud and Rich the owners of of Whammo about ultimate and I I told this story actually at uh at Spud's funeral. You got to be careful when you're telling a story at a funeral. But what year was this? Just to give it some which, context. Which part? The part where you're pitching the ultimate. Oh, oh, when I'm initially pitching them. That would have been pretty early, like 76, maybe right after I've came out, lived with Ed's family for the first, you know, six months or so, then spent that started. I felt like I shouldn't impose on them any longer. So I slept under my desk for another six months. But man, you get a lot of work done when you are you don't have anywhere that you have to go. You know, you just get takeout food. They had a shower there. Uh, I'm the first guy in, the last guy there every day. It was great. But when I was doing this initial pitch for uh, Spud and Rich, I'm doing the ultimate segment, you know, and okay, you know, here, here's some pictures of the East Coast ultimate and their West Coast is beginning and you know, some up in Santa Barbara and got these other, we think it's really going to grow and you know, it's it's an analogy with a lot of other sports, you know, and and the big first game and it was in Sports Illustrated and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of that component, we were going to move on to something else. Uh, Spud says, so let me get let me get this straight. It's it, it, it's 14 guys and, and, and one Frisbee. <laughs> so uh, 
which which got a laugh at his funeral. It, it got a pretty pretty good laugh actually. So always the marketer. Now canine, there's an event. You know they eat the discs, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a consumable. <laughs> yeah, freestylers, we crack them. We got to get new ones. Well, well, there's a story in itself. Uh, we'll have to do a segment on the HDX and uh, the return your discs to Whammo. And I give you a little teaser on that of when they returned, uh, I would have my people take them up and stack them in front of the uh, R&D office. So there was ever increasing pile of broken discs there until we got enough traction to begin to explore the uh, the HDX. Anyway, I don't remember where I was. Where was I? So we were. You were NAS. Um, you you had oh, oh. gotten to where you were. You had a budget. You're growing it. The the big wave. The big wave of uh, of that money, which drove all of that activity, and then that started to crest and 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 tail off. And and it's a little bit the budgeting in a company like that. It's a little bit like check kiting, where you're you know you're paying for the next check with the last check and the previous check, and and at a certain point. The, the pyramid scheme kind of begins to falter unless you've got a new pyramid. Uh, blessedly for us, the new pyramid was Hacky Sack. And when Hacky Sack came in, here's another, you know, fresh meat, uh, a brand new iconic product to, uh, uh, to present. John Stahlberger, uh, Stahlberger brings the product to us and to our, I mean, it's interesting because I was consulting with John prior to him coming to ammo and so when it i guess it showed up in wall street journal and i kind of pitched it to ammo a couple of times but uh, i don't know i don't know it's a hippie thing or whatever but then it showed up in wall street journal and all at once they're going what do you know about hacky sack going well i know a good bit about hacky sack because i'm consulting with john whatever so hacky sack comes in it's big money man big big margins you know big margins man you've got a product you're making for 18 cents and and the world uh thinks it's a seven dollar item uh that that works really well and uh so that money i i think one of the one of the best things i ever was able to pull off was how do i keep frisbee on this train because this could easily be just a hacky sack train uh and frisbee can get left in the dust and the answer was frisbee and hacky sack festivals it's a natural you know, they're together and they can coattail one another. And we've already got the tribe out there and they're the same kinds of people and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that story. I mean, we ended up having a tremendous surge being able to do television on those and draw in the whole community, which were mostly Frisbee community. You know, I mean, the clubs that hosted them were primarily Frisbee clubs, IFA clubs, and in some cases, some, you know, in Portland, you know, that then probably the footbag community was was stronger. WFA was coming up. And so they were supporting, you know, everywhere and pretty much injecting the footbag talent. But the Frisbee talent was indigenous. I mean, we went to Washington, D.C., boom, they're there. You know, Smithsonian's already established the model. You go to Houston. I mean, we've got flags going in the board and we've got a series of you know 25 or 28 of these festivals that that are out there and uh that supported the whole movement for a long time that fresh money and then you know ownership 
kind of morphed and I guess we got in probably into an era where we had Kransko, uh, the company based in San Francisco ownership. And I continued to, to do my dog and pony show and, and they were supportive to, to an extent. I mean, they, you know, every time there was a corporate changeover, somebody would come into our office and say, well, you guys should get your resume ready because you're going to be the first to go. I can tell you that. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, they're gone and, and we're still there. Uh, so, I mean, we survived that. And then later the Mattel takeover, because, you know, the same kind of people said the same thing then. Well, Mattel definitely isn't going to keep you. They're a toy company, man. It's not pink. You know, you're not you're not going to survive that. Trust me on this. And then they're gone and and they create Mattel Sports. So anyway, we just kind of got to the end of the money where, if you remember, it started to kind of winnow down where my department were trying to cipher out, well, how do we how do we best save this? I mean, we can't we don't have the we don't have the money to have, you know, 20 NAS meets anymore. We got to winnow down the juniors because the juniors was huge. It was we we're going to 2000 schools, you know, with free packages and culminating at at national championships and regionals and television tie ins. And, you know, it was giant. And, and obviously the WS, WFC had been huge. I mean, the early WFCs were were all hands on deck. I mean, everybody at Whammo was involved. I mean, the, the team meetings for the early WFCs were Everybody, from the factory to the front desk, everybody was involved. Everybody had a job. It was a, a company project that eventually winnowed down to just being sports promotion, where where my team was running it, uh, and that that was fine. I mean, we when we had, you know, like La Mirada era and that kind of thing, it was it was just sports promotion that was running that primarily. But as the money, as the money leaned out we kept getting squeezed as to, well, let's say 1982, what are you going to do? Uh, you can't have 26 uh, of these championships. We can't have you flying all over the country. It's, let's get the budget under control. And so if you remember, 82 was Sacramento, uh, Manassas, Virginia, and St. Louis, three qualifiers. Three qualifiers led to New Brunswick. Well, okay, that'll get her done. You know, it's not the NAS tour, but, you know, it, we're, we're surviving. But 82 was kind of our last breath. I think maybe that might have been close to the last uh, Frisbee Discworld magazine and, you know, the last of, of those meets. And, and so it just it was just out of money that made sense for Kransko uh, at different leadership uh, that they we are now we're pretty far from the DNA of, uh, of Spud and Rich for whom the Frisbee was their gift to the world. You know, they had given the world the Frisbee. And so that they had heart space for that, that meant something beyond it was another stock keeping unit, you know? And so by the time several iterations of management went through, it was, you know, another product. And so, it was not savable in that form, and I guess I gave them a pitch that said, "Okay, let's let's scale back to concentrating on the juniors because juniors is where it's at. That's what we do best. We're in the favorable position of the seeds that we have sown with with all of the different organizations. 
like now we've got the Ultimate Players Association is getting its feet. Let's support them. The Freestyle Players Association is emerging and they're on their way to do what they want to do. Let's simply be a, a corporate sponsor of theirs and and guide the PDGA, DGA, PDGA in that transfer. They're, they're driving golf. We really truly don't need to do all of those things anymore. The old IFA model is maybe even out of date. It was a period of time when I was arguing back and forth with them about open meets, which uh, discs of whether we should have open meets that were available to all discs. And that was a great struggle because, you know, it was easy for naysayers to say, oh, man, you don't want to eat your lunch. I mean, you're you're paying for all this. And then and then other discs come in and, and they capitalize on it. And it was it was a hard sell to say. Folks, you, you got to look at other look at other sports. I mean, it's just the way it is. You can't grow the category. You can't grow the sport if it's only yours. I mean, just just look at all the other examples. In all the other examples, the products compete with one another. You're in the bully position of of having a huge lead, you know. But it it's just trust me. <laughs> I'm going back and forth between the fort and the teepees, and I can tell you, that ain't going to work much longer. I mean, it's just not going to be that people are going to be satisfied to use only this one product because there's a lot of, of other development out there, and you can either fight that and pay the cost, or you can take your place as one of the major participants in a modernized flying disc sport, or... <laughs> try to preserve the the frisbee only mentality and that i'm i'm just advising you that that i don't think that has legs anymore so uh, that was all kind of backstory on it was it was an inevitability that we were no longer going to do that model any longer but we were going to take that money and represent our company in these different independent organizations all of whom we had favorable relationships with. I mean, it wasn't like we had we were at loggerheads with all of them. I mean, with every one of those groups that I named, I had a wonderful relationship with them, so we could segue to that pretty easily. And so that was the transition that was made. So do you think that the sales numbers weren't high enough to support it? There, there wasn't enough money coming in from disc sales to keep it going? I, I think that things definitely flattened during during that era in fact they had even as i said i think the the hacky sack money really kind of extended our run uh in a way that if we had been relying only on uh on disc money that um that it probably would have ended i'm I'm sure it would have ended sooner and i mean a lot of it is you know once you saturate the market and i mean you you get to the point that the analysts are telling us that uh the average American family has 2.5 uh, Frisbees, and uh, what have we got to motivate them to have another one? And, of course, my pitch always was that the only way to that longer market penetration is the sport. That's the only way. It's messy. It's time-consuming. Uh, it's it's dirty work in the trenches. But it just another TV ad is not going to get the family to now have 4.5 Frisbees. I mean, unless... 
unless they're pulling through the other end of consumption, it, it, it's not going to go. You can you can only pile so many on them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting to look at it from the perspective of being in an armchair quarterback and looking back in history and to see the seeds that were sown. And so their return on investment, they were not meeting the numbers they needed immediately and were not didn't have that patience to see the long play. And that I wonder if they were to look at it now and go, gosh, you know, look at the energy and money that we put in during that period, which did lay this foundation of amazing growth. But it wasn't something you could see right there. You had to almost let the years go by to see kind of the impact it had and like almost didn't realize what they had. And it must have been a really hard a hard time to like, oh God, I can see that if we continue to give it the support, that growth as a sport is there to be had. Like they didn't realize what they had. But it's also interesting to hear you talk about how each sports are using other discs besides whammo discs. Their sales were being eaten by other disc manufacturers. That really was more a matter of optics of just saying, oh well, I, I don't I don't get it. I'm looking at your freestyle film here and I and is that a, is that our first beat? Well, no, no, actually it isn't. That's a that's a that's another disc. But the number the number of discs that those people are actually consuming that's minuscule. It, the the more important thing is the guy was just on Good Morning America. That that's the point. And right. the translation of that to Joe Blow when he sees it when he goes and acts on that motivation. He, he's buying a frisbee disc. Okay, he doesn't even know that that's a sky stopper. I mean, right. I, I'm I'm sorry I can't tell you that that wasn't a 165, but it wasn't. But it still delivers for you because you're in position to capitalize more than than any other uh, person in the market, which was true then. And by the time we got to to Mattel, which at that point, uh, that's when I I took on uh, Arthur. And so most of the Mattel sports years were were Arthur and me. We were we were the core there. And then we had all these relationships obviously. We were still still doing a lot with Whipdiff and all of the all of the organizations still kind of behind the scenes. I mean we were still printing Whipdiff annual booklets in the print shop at Mattel, ironically still playing the same game I played at Rutgers Mental Health Center. But at that juncture, I mean, when you're in an organization that huge, everything's quarterly results of everything that you bring has to bottom line this quarter because even the even the I had I had seven Frisbee product managers in the um, like two years I was at Mattel. Seven people who came in and were responsible for the for the Frisbee brand. And when they would come in, I would always say, <laughs> since I've already used so much of your time, you understand how this could happen. I would say to them, the course to be ready to manage this product is 40 hours. That's what you're signing up for with me. When, when you say you want to understand this product, it's a 40-hour course. That involves travel time and everything. I mean, we're going to go to local golf courses. We're going to go to local ultimate events. I'm going to tell you where we've been, what we've done, what opportunities we've had, what we've missed, 
what some potential opportunities are in the future. I'm going to show you some freestyle. We're going to go to the beach, blah, da, 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 da. And at the end of that 40-hour course, you will be ready to make a decision about this product. And it's different from any other one in our stable. Because if you come here and you're assigned to Barbie, you already know about dolls, Hot Wheels. You know about little cars that you push around. But the problem with Frisbee is you think you know about it, but you don't know anything about it. You don't know anything about it. And 40 hours from now, you really will. And some of them, a few of them took the course. And most of them uh, gave me a couple of hours and then said, wow, that's, that's great. It's amazing. It's amazing how much there is. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just keep you as an ongoing resource. And when there are things that I don't know, believe me, I'm going to call you in here to the office uh, when I have questions about Frisbee. And I've got a, uh, an 11 o'clock. Uh, so thanks, Dan. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll be in touch. Kind of where, where that went. And, and, and Arthur and I are kind of, well, that went well. <laughs> you see the light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, it doesn't include the vision. Yeah. Well, it was what it was. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, people will talk to me about the glory years and go, wow, those were the best years of my life. And that was just fantastic. And I wish that could be again. And I, I say, well, the stages of life, I said, I mean, we can't do that again because there aren't enough VW microvans. I mean, it's just <laughs> that that was that was just exactly right for us then. I, I hope that we can find ways to make the game be just exactly what we need now. So you're saying that you don't really think it was just the money. It just happened to be the time, the synchronicity and the stars lining up. And it wasn't just the money. It was it was also the the era and and where we were in the in the lifespan of that product presentation that we were able to put over 50,000 people in the Rose Bowl. I mean, think of all the things that have happened since then, how much richer the sport is now, how many more people are playing, how much more things we understand about it. Give me a budget and assign me to put 50,000 people into the Rose Bowl now. And I, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I consult for a lot of disc organizations and we're always banging our heads of saying, how do we get more than friends and family to be on site to see this? And it's hard. I mean, the, the national tour for disc golf comes into town. And the, the luminaries of the game are playing at La Mirada. I mean, the best on the planet are playing at La Mirada. And the course is packed up here at Oak Grove. I mean, and I'm up there and I'm going, you know, like Paul Macbeth, uh, you know, Randy Wysocki and, and those guys, they're, they're all down at La Mirada this weekend. It's free, man. It's life-changing. You should go down there and see those guys throw. Yeah, dude. Uh, excuse me, we're teeing off. Let's do it. Excuse me? Teeing, teeing off here. Okay. All right. That said, I don't know that that's terrible. I mean, maybe what we have is a participant sport. Maybe people just want to play. I don't know that that's terrible. I mean, we got a lot of spectator sports. Do we need more spectator sports? I don't know. I mean, we know for sure we need more things we play. I mean, that's 
essential and maybe even critical to <laughs> the, the survival of the species. And uh, Frisbee uh, and that kind of creative, active, moving play. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily have to have it be that our, all of our activities are up there in the big time spectator sports. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it will be entertaining. I don't know. I I like to to talk to my local pro ultimate team, the Aviators, and and we get together sometimes and chat about uh, what to do. And you know, they say, "How'd you get those fifty thousand people? That'd be cool. We're we're shooting for a thousand. And uh, I I I don't know. Wow, what an interesting response. He doesn't know how he was able to fill the stadium with so many people. I mean. That's crazy to think. Like, what changed between then and now that made Frisbee so popular back then, but not so much now? I mean, is it maybe it's just that it was so new? Like, back then it was sort of a novel idea. Frisbee was a toy, and suddenly it was a sport, and people were like, whoa, how did a toy become a sport? But now it's been a sport for so long, maybe people just lost interest. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it's the million dollar question. <laughs> and funny, even if you had a million dollars, could you fill up a stadium with 50,000 people? I, I don't know. It seems like, yeah, you should be able to, but people have been throwing money at it and trying to get sponsorships. And like he says, Ultimate is right there. They're a professional league and you know they're able to get a thousand people. And like Stork says, maybe you know it is what it is. Uh, maybe people just want to play and uh, it isn't a spectator sport. You and I have talked about, you know, it is the jamly and we do love to get together. But, but what I I find interesting about that is that even when we do get together, we always talk about how do we get more people to come see what we do? And so we're fine with it. But on the other hand, we're not fine with it. It's just this dilemma. Yeah. I mean, a big part of freestyle, too, is we're showing off for people and we like it when we're watched. I mean, I remember practicing uh, with you and Dave Lewis for the world championships and uh, man, we were dragging. We just couldn't quite make the routine happen. And then these two people came along and sat down and said, hey, can we watch? And then suddenly poof, we hit the routine. That was the best we'd ever hit it. <laughs> we have a desire to be watched, and I think it makes us play a little bit better. So I, sometimes I wonder, like, why aren't we good enough with the sport the way it is? We have our friends. We do our thing. It's really fun. You know, I also get, like, why, why we want it to grow and why we want to be watched. You know, I've always thought, you know, maybe we need to package it differently. And, you know, maybe it's an evening show and it's a two-hour presentation or something. And, you know, I don't know if it, if it actually has the ability to entertain folks for two hours. Uh, does it have it? I don't know. You know, I guess we'll we'll have to just keep plugging along and experimenting and who knows where this journey is going to go. Yeah, totally. So with that, um, I just want to say a couple things. The first one is uh, I want to thank Jay Moldenauer again for his offer. It uh, produced three new patrons. And so I also want to give a shout out to those three new patrons. Thanks, guys. We really value your support. Yes, Jay. Thank you so much for that offer. And it's awesome to bring our new patrons on board. Thank you, guys. And then the other thing is just I want to give a plug to the, the new live stream that's coming up. The Terneo Frisbee Freestyle uh, will be live on Frisbee Guru. September 22nd and 23rd. So tune in. You're going to see some great jamming. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that live stream. And uh, I know there's going to be a big turnout. So don't miss it. And on that note, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us, or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com.
home to Haynesville, shooting the frisbees, and live streaming freestyle free.